0: Welcome to the South Metro Ministries Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. Stand for just a moment more. We're going to 1 Kings chapter 19 for the lesson this morning. I've been preaching a series of sermons on the healing of damaged emotions. And this morning, I want to continue that series, and I will probably conclude it on next Sunday. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Scripture. I want to talk about dealing with depression today. We talked about anger, we talked about worry, we talked about stress, we talked about the noise in our soul. And I want to talk about depression and discouragement today. And I want to take the lesson from one of the greatest men of God that we find in the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 19. I need the whole chapter, but I'll only read the first four verses. Ahab is the king. His wife is Jezebel. She's the queen. Verse 1, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with a the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he, Elijah, heard that and saw that his life was threatened, He arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, or a juniper tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my fathers. Would you say amen to the word? And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Please keep your Bibles open because I want to refer you to more than just what I've read to you. There are all kinds of things that bring on worry, stress, anxiousness, nervousness, fear. That contribute to this thing called depression. Sometimes money problems can cause you to be depressed. Can I get a witness? It reminds me of the wife that was telling a friend about her household budget. And she said, I spend 40% of our income for food. I spend 30% of our income for shelter. I spend another 30% for clothing. And I spend 20% for transportation and incidentals. And the friend said, but that makes 120%. And the the woman responded, don't I know it? Money can cause stress. Other things, a man asked a preacher friend, he said, preacher, how many active members do you have? And the preacher replied, they're all active. Half of them are working with me and half of them are working against me. Sometimes in our life we find that some people are working against us rather than for us and that is depressing on a more serious side and this is true. Many, many years ago a young Midwestern lawyer suffered from such deep depression that his friends thought it best to keep all knives and razors out of his reach. He questioned, this young Midwestern lawyer questions his life calling and the wisdom of even attempting to follow through with his life's purpose. During this time of questioning, this young lawyer wrote, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. End of quote. That young lawyer was Abraham Lincoln who became our 16th president. There is hope. Depression can hit anyone. No job or place of employment is without some kind of discouragement or depression. Even retirement, and perhaps especially retirement, can bring discouragement and a feeling of uselessness which leads to depression. For the sake of our lesson this morning, let me give you a working definition. It'll, it's on the screen. Depression is a mental illness characterized by sadness, general apathy, a loss of self esteem, feelings of guilt, and at times suicidal tendencies. It is a hopelessness that's not consistent with reality. While the definition is up, let me give you some statistics. They are older than current statistics. They're about six years old. But I think current statistics will be even more revealing. For example, 18.8 million American adults in a given year are clinically depressed. This came as a surprise to me. Preschoolers are the fastest growing market for antidepressants. We are told that 4% over 1 million of preschoolers are clinically depressed. Preschoolers. 15% of all depressed people, we are told, commit suicide. According to Dr. Bob Murray, in his writing about diseases that take the lives of Americans... Dr. Bob Murray said that depression will be the second largest killer of Americans after heart disease by 2020. In order for us to know what God would have us to know about overcoming and dealing with depression, we got to identify what it looks like and what the symptoms of it is. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on defining it, lest perhaps you go analyzing yourself and become depressed when you were not. Okay? Okay. So let me just move over this hurriedly, but you get the idea. Depression looks like persistent sadness or anxious moods. Anger, restlessness, irritability. Depression symptoms are sleeplessness or not enough sleep. Reduced appetite and weight loss or increased appetite and weight gain. Loss of pleasure and interest in things once enjoyed. Further, depression can be described as persistent physical symptoms that don't respond to treatment, such as chronic pain or digestive disorders. Depression involves difficulty concentrating, remembering or making decisions. It is also represented in fatigue or loss of energy, in feeling guilty or hopeless or worthless. And of course, I said prior, it involves thoughts of suicide. What are some of the causes of depression? There are many and I don't know all of them, but let me give you some of the more prominent ones. Depression can be caused by death or serious illness of a friend or family member. Or the loss of love or attention from a friend or family member. Depression can be caused by the breakup of a romantic relationship family problems, especially parents' divorce. Depression involves symptoms such as isolation and loneliness and rejection. There are a few others that are not on the screen, but let me just hastily tell you them. Depression can be caused by physical, verbal, or sexual abuse. It can be caused by genetic DNA vulnerability. It can be caused by chemical imbalance, hormonal changes, substance abuse, hospitalization, especially for chronic illness. On the lighter side, I think about a school teacher who said to her students, boys and girls, there is a wonderful example in the life of an ant. A-N-T, the little ant. She said to her students, every day the ant goes to work and works and works all day. Every day the ant is busy, 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 busy. At the end, the teacher asked, at the end, what happens? And little Johnny raised his hands and said, somebody steps on him. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I think that many of us feel like we've been stepped on our entire life by some people and certain circumstances. And we say, what's the use? But the word of God says, we are not alone. We are not alone in our depression because when you read the Bible, you will find mighty men and women of God who went through the dark night of the soul, the valley of the shadow of death, and they came out with the power of God's deliverance. You will find such people like Moses. Moses was at times the depressed leader of about 3 million people for 40 years. Every time he turned around, they griped about something. They were slaves and their parents before them for 400 years. And even though they came to the Red Sea and God opened up the sea and they walk on dry ground away from Pharaoh's army and then God drowned Pharaoh's army and saved them, they forgot that. Even though when they got hungry in the wilderness, God sent manna from heaven and gave them bread, they forgot that. Even though when they got thirsty and God gave them water from a rock, they forgot that. And every time Moses turned around, they griped about something. We need water. We are starving. We want food. We don't like this manna. And I don't mind you, but if you're surrounded by a bunch of chronic complainers, it won't be hard to get depressed. Job was depressed. In one day, he lost every earthly possession he had, including his 10 children. He did not know that he was the object of a test by God when Satan approached God and said, Job is only serving you because you're blessing him. Because when you read the opening of the book of Job, you find that he was one of the wealthiest men in his geography and location. He was a holy, righteous, godly man. And, and, and God says, No. Maybe other people are serving me from what they can get from me, but not Job. Go ahead and test him. And in one day, he lost all his camel, all his oxen, all his sheep, all his donkeys, all his livestock, all his servants. He lost all of his 10 children in a storm, more like a tornado. And before that day ended, he was sitting on an ash heap where a fire once burned changed from his everyday clothing put ashes on his head and he was depressed how do you know he was depressed chapter 3 and verse 11 says he said this why did i not perish at birth he says why did not i die when i came from the womb i have no peace no quietness no rest but only turmoil david was depressed king david he wrote all these wonderful psalms. He slayed the giant Goliath. He ro- ruled over Israel from being a shepherd boy to being a king with servants and millions and millions of, of, of amount of what we would know in today's currency, dollars in wealth. and Oh, he had palaces and servants, but, but it wasn't always that way. He says in Psalm 6, verses 2 and 3, and verse 6 about his depression. Listen to this. Be merciful to me, Lord, For I am faint. O Lord, heal me. For my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? Have you ever asked God that about your discouragement? But he goes on and says, In verse 6, I am worn out from groanings. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Jeremiah was depressed god told him to prophesy judgment god said i've given the people enough window of opportunities to repent time and time again but they've slain my prophets they've torn down my altars they've gone after perverse gods and god's made of wood and stone and i'm going to judge them and when jeremiah started preaching They started attacking him. They dropped him in a well that didn't have water but it was deep and it had mud up to his ankles or even to his knees and they left him there to die. And that's what he's thinking. God, is this what I get for preaching? The Apostle Paul was depressed. What do you mean, Pastor? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 we're told his emotions and feelings because the Bible said he had a thorn in his flesh. That he prayed three different times for God to remove it. I don't mean like a thorn, like a literal thorn that sticks in you like from a briar bush or a rose bush. No one really knows what Paul's thorn was. It may be some of his persecutors. It may be uh, demonic attacks. It may be other kinds of things. But Paul says about his thorn in the flesh, it was a messenger of Satan to torment him. I want to show you something. Life doesn't always run in a straight line. Give me a witness, church. Life has its peaks and its valleys and its peaks and its valleys. But I oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's not how it ended for these men. Moses didn't stay in depression he lived to be 120 years old and only God knows where he's buried because God buried him and the Bible said he died at 120 as young as he felt when he was 40 years old God is the God that will take us out of our hole and out of our cave and bring us on the mountain Job when God got finished with Job he got double for his trouble He had double camels, double donkeys, double sheep, double lamb. God gave him 10 more children and his latter years was better than his former years oh david didn't end in depression he wrote the psalms that says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name he is the same man who says i will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help comes from the lord come on everybody give the lord a hand clap oh the apostle paul didn't end up in depression Oh, he lost his head for preaching the gospel. Literally, his head was chopped off. But before he died, Brother Merriman, he said, I have run the race. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness whom the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. There is a reward day coming. Somebody praise the Lord. Oh, thank you for that, I could use that. Mmm, Joel, you're a man of God. But then here's Elijah. What greater prophet do you know in the Bible than Elijah other than his follower and his servant, Elisha? Elijah, in chapter 17, prophesies there'll be no rain in the land. God says to Elijah, the people have rebelled, they've sinned, they have closed the door to my mercy. So, at your word. Boy, don't you know that's a man of God. At your word, God says to Elijah, you speak no rain. No food. No rain. As a result of no rain, of course, no food. Cattle die. Livestock die. People are searching everywhere for just something green or something edible. God sends him to a widow at Zarephath. And all she has left, when he shows up at her doorsteps, she's gathering sticks. And he says, Madam, Madam, my sister, prepare me some water and something to eat. And she recognizes he's a man of God. And she says to him, all I have is a little bit of meal in the barrel where I keep my flour, a meal, and a little bit of oil. And we're going to fix a uh, uh, cornbread or something of that nature. I'm gathering sticks to make a fire. I'm going to eat a little bit. My son will go eat. That's all we have. We're going to die. And the man of God says, you go ahead and do what I tell you. And, and it will always be for you something to eat until this famine is over and oh somebody already knows the rest of the story she did what the man of God said and every day there was just enough for that day of meal and oil and then the next day and then the next week and the next month You know, sometimes we want God to give us an answer way into the year 2014. Sometimes we want God to give us the headlight in our car in the darkness of the night of our soul to go about 10 miles up that way. But I want to tell you something. God said His grace would be sufficient when you need it. Not before, not later, but when you need His grace, He will give you meal in your barrel and oil in your jar and peace in your mind when you need it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh bless the Lord I don't know where I'm getting this energy But I like it Mmm Jesus Now let me tell you God sent down Elijah As a In a time of history When Israel Needed to remember Who brought them to prosperity And so Ahab was the king He was wicked As a king could be Matter of fact When you read about Ahab he was leading the nation as far away from God as possible. But he was married to Jezebel. That was the queen. She was the devil in a dress. Uh, I wasn't pointing, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Jezebel's what I mean. When you compare wickedness with wickedness, Jezebel made Ahab look like a choir boy In compared to her wickedness. She had led the nation to worship Baal, made idols of stone and wood, allowed temple prostitution. The temples of Baal they built, they had prostitutes that men could come and have sex with in the name of the God of Baal. I don't want to be vulgar or profane, but some of the images that they worshiped were that of human sexual organs. So perverse. And Jezebel was doing everything she could to kill the prophets of God. And God told Elijah, I want you to call all the prophets of Baal and all the people of God and all Israel together at Mount Carmel. And I'm trying to hurry here. And there's going to be a spiritual showdown. And you know the story, some of you, but what it is, is that Jezebel had on her payroll 450 false prophets of Baal. She, they ate from her table. And therefore, since they were on her payroll, everything she said, they consented to, they agreed to. She she's paying them, so whatever she said, even though they knew the right way, she was, they were these prophets, so to speak. We're approving it. And Elijah said, it's enough. We're going to see which God is the God. Either Baal is God or Jehovah God is God. Since there are 450 of you prophets of Baal, let you provide two bulls. One for your altar and one for my altar. And let the prophets of Baal build their altar, put the wood together, cut the animals, the bull up in pieces and let them pray for their God to come. Don't let them build any fire under the altar because it was to be a burnt offering sacrifice. But the God that sends down fire and causes the 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 animals and the wood to be consumed, that's the God we will serve. So you prophets of Baal, you go first and I'll go second. And they prepared their altar and they put the animal they put the wood put didn't put any fire and the bible said they began in the morning and they started praying and calling to their god and they started thinking well well you know he's not moving yet so it became mid-morning and noontime they started yelling and shouting how do you know it pastor because in chapter number 18 verse 26 the bible says they cried aloud and and there was no voice no one answered they leaped about the altar which they had made. So Elijah said to them, he got a little self-confident here, but he was anointed. He, he said at noontime, he mocked them and said, cry aloud for he is a God. Maybe he's lost his hearing. Or maybe he's meditating in some planet somewhere. Or maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on his cell phone. got to do the Twitter or the Facebook or the email or the text and he can't take your text now. A little bit of a modern day insert. Or maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. And the Bible said that these, these 450 prophets, they got so desperate, they started jumping on the altar and they started taking knives and lances and cutting themselves and letting themselves bleed and let their blood gush on the sacrifice. That went on until about the afternoon sacrifice when Elijah said, you all have been given enough time. Here's my altar. Here is my animal, here is the wood, and there are no, there's no fire. And Elijah told some of the helpers to bring some of these large jars. You see these large jars on the corner over there? They were the kind of jars in the Bible time. Vessels that hold up to 40 gallons of water. He says, what I want you to do with my altar and my sacrifice, I want you to dig a deep trench around the altars. Anybody feel what I'm feeling? And then I want you to take all those gallons of water, jars upon jars and large 40-gallon containers and pour it on the bull and pour it on the wood and let it spill into the trench. They did it one time. He said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third... Oh, my Lord, do it a third time. By this time, the trench is filled up. The animal sacrifice is wet. How many know when your wood is wet, you ain't gonna get no fire? Huh? Huh? That's what's wrong with some of we Pentecostal. Our wood is wet. But that's another sermon for another time. And Elijah, Elijah with a 63-word prayer. I don't know how long it takes to say 63-word. But a 63-word prayer that took less than two minutes. God split the open sky where there was no cloud sent fire down on the altar burned up the bull burned up the wood and dried up the trench and god proved that he alone is god somebody give the lord some praise come on give the lord some praise my 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 my. Now, now what i'm saying to you is all the people said yes he is god Elijah said, round up those 450 prophets. Let's take them down to the creek bank. God said to kill them. Because there should be no sin in the land. You know, the Bible says, shun even the appearance of evil. Sin has an appetite that will not be satisfied. It'll ruin your marriage. It'll damn your soul. It'll kill your body because sin has an appetite that cannot be satisfied. You know what? God give us some more Elijah's in the pulpits who's not afraid to confront sin. In America, oh help me Lord Jesus, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not here about being on my business. I'm going to tell you, you're looking at a preacher that I don't care if it's politically incorrect. If the word of God says it's sin, it is sin. I don't care if the president is white, black, brown, Democrat, Republican, independent, or whatever. If their decision and the Supreme Court decision and 12 states in America says that what God says is, is, is sin, they def- redefined and said it's okay. Because marriage has been redefined and in the 12 states and according to our political system in America, they say that it's alright for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman and God said it's an abomination and sin. Give us some men in America in the pulpit. baptist church of God, assembly of God, with a sore log for a backbone, with fire in their blood. And stand and say, I don't care if I go to jail. I don't care if you drag me there. God is God and I'd rather please him than anybody else. You give the Lord some praise. Come on and give the Lord some praise. I'm not trying to grow this church a mega church. I'm surprised you come back, but I think you want to hear the truth. The truth shall make you free. And the only reason why God hadn't wiped, up, wiped out America is because of remnants like you. Even though sin going on in your family, you're still pressing on and praying for God to save them. I got family members in sin and I'm praying for them. And even though you backslide, God's given you a way back. Can I get an amen? Yeah, give, give, give us some preachers who don't have three points on a poem and go home and nobody even remembers when they go to their car what he said. Ooh, I, I, I'm off my notes, but I want some good notes. Y'all gonna have to wait in line the restaurant anyhow. Hang in here with me about a few more minutes. Help me, Jesus. You know you know, you know when the, when depression hits you sometimes? Sometimes after your greatest victory. After your greatest, he had a Mount, Elijah had a mountaintop Mount Carmel revival. And the devil won't let you get blessed without him testing. When the word got to Jezebel in chapter 19, the wicked woman, she said, I'm putting out a bounty on your life. And by tomorrow, this time, Elijah, I'm going to make your life like one of those 450 you killed of my prophets who were on my payroll. And the Bible says he got afraid and he ran for his life. He left his servant. If you're taking notes, the last thing you need to do when you're depressed is to be alone. Did you hear what I say? You may need a little bit of time. That's part of the cure. If I don't get to it, okay. You don't need to be alone. When you come to church, you need the fellowship of other people. That's why we have church. So part of the cure for depression is do not be alone. Find a spirit-filled man or woman of God. Find somebody who's been in a cave because Elijah, oh my, 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 went, ended up in the cave. So so you need somebody. In the end of the first service, somebody handed me this about avoid being alone. I said, I'm going to use it. It says, avoid being alone. Seek help from others. And here's the quote. The reason why you need to fellowship is so that you are not the only fellow in that ship <laughs> I like it I like it I, I, I'm trying to tell you that she put out a bounty for him but here's the, here's God's cure for depression skip the other slides number one let God confront you did you hear what I said when you are he ended up in A place of mental torture. That he said, it's enough God. You kill me instead of that wicked woman killing me. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. Do you know tiredness and fatigue can lead to depression? But if you let God find you. The word of God tells us, and I need to hurry. But the word of God tells us, after he sat under that juniper tree. Got up the next morning, an angel, an angel touched him. Wake up Elijah and eat and drink because the journey is too great for you. He's thinking, what are you talking about? And when he looked, there was a cake there for him fixed on hot coals. And there was a vase or jar of water for him. And he ate and he drank because God supernaturally gave the food. Like he fed him with the ravens during the famine. And he went back to sleep. And the angel woke him up the next morning and said, get up again. Eat and drink again because the journey is too great for you. What journey do you mean? After he ate and drank, the Bible said he went on a 40 day journey, 100 miles from where he was. And it was all on foot. He went to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, found a cave there and went in it. And the Bible says that the Lord found him in the cave. Look at in chapter 19, and I'm hurrying. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number nine look in your bibles i won't have it on the screen and it says in 1 kings 19 and 9 and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place and behold the word of the lord came to him and he said to him god said to him what are you doing here elijah in this hole in the mountain and elijah went to say why in verse 10 he said i have been very zealous for the lord god of hosts for the children of israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars And your prophets have been killed with the sword and I'm the only one left. And they seek to take my life. Look at this. Look at verse 11. Here's how God confronted Elijah. He said, God said to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, there was the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that, a, the fire, a still, small voice. Look at me and hear me now. Sometimes we're looking to hear from God from some, some wow factor, wind, earthquake, fire, some prophet somewhere. When all the time he just wants to speak peace with a still, small voice. If you'd open His Word, and you let Him confront you in prayer, He will speak to you. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Let me, next one please. Here's God's cure. Not only do you let God confront you, receive God's provisions. God gave him bread that He didn't bake, water in a famine. Can I get an amen? Amen? God sent an angel. He was touched by an angel. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's God's provisions. I'm trying to tell you that God has provisions for you. But you must receive it. Look, on ABC News, Friday, Thursday or Friday evening, I saw Diane Sawyer do a piece where a girl was in a wreck and she was in such a terrible car wreck. The front of her car was so crunched And pushed all the way up to the dash. It pinned her in the car with the seat going forward, the steering wheel going forward, and she's in between. And they tried for an hour and a half with the jaws of life that the fire department, the police came. They tried with the jaws of life to get her out. This is on the news, ABC primetime news. And they said, out of nowhere, a man appeared with the attire of a priest, with a bottle of anointing oil. How many saw that on the news? Okay, so, so, you know, and a bottle of anointing oil. And he asked permission to pray for the girl. She's pinned there. She's bleeding, probably bleeding to death. And the authorities wondered, well, if this priest prays for this girl, she may think that he was called in to give the last rites and it may scare her even more. But to the, their the best judgment, they said, we can't help her. Maybe he can. He anointed her with oil and a peace came over her. This is this is the news showing the footage. And there were were a large number of rescuers there. With all the people there, there must have been about 50 or more. They had videos running. They had cameras running. And after the priest prayed, another fire department came in with a larger two that could open and, and cut through the metal. And they got her out and took her to the hospital. And they turned around to look for the priest. And they couldn't find him. They went to look at all the video footage and all the pictures and nobody could find him. As quickly as he appeared, he disappeared. They asked about 20 different churches around, 20 churches, if there's a priest here that looks like this. And they said no. Why? Because God can send an angel. God can make provisions. He knows what cave you're in. He knows what hole you're in. He knows who you are. Come on and give the Lord some praise. (laughs) Yes, send an angel, God. Number three, avoid being alone. Avoid being alone. Number four, sing and make music, giving thanks to God. Come, Pastor Chad, we're going to do that. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Did anybody hear me? Listen, I'm telling you, the last thing you feel like doing when you're depressed is to sing a song. And if you do sing it, it goes like this. Please. Play for me a sad melody so sad that it makes everybody cry. And you want to sing it because you've sung it before. No, no, I'm talking about what Paul and Silas did after they were beaten next door to death in Acts chapter 16 for preaching the gospel and casting out demons out of a woman. They were beaten and thrown into the inner courts of the prison and judgment was coming the next morning. They were lacerated. Their, their jails weren't like today's jail where you have air conditioning and heat and basketball court and weightlifting and three meals a day and, and, and cable TV. No, it, it, it was a place where the human refuge was deposited and it was a place that smelled bad. There, were, there was no lighting and it was midnight. And instead of being depressed... The man of God, Paul, looked over to Saul, thinking, tomorrow may be our last day. That mob out there may stone us to death, but we ain't going to go out of here without recognizing that our God is still God. Sing something, Silas. I don't know what he sang, but he might have sung, let faith arise, open my eyes, let faith arise. I don't know what he sung. But God sent an earthquake there. It shook that jail. And oh, I feel a whoop glory. It tore off the irons off of their arms and off of their legs. Every prisoner was free. If it takes the wind, if it takes the fire, if it takes an earthquake, God will pull you out of your hole. God will take you out of your cave. Stand up to your feet all over this house. Lay your Bible down. Put your hands together. Come on. Come on. I want to praise God whether I feel like it or not. I am going to sing whether I feel like it or not. Come on, come on, put your hands together. Yes! Put the last three thoughts on the screen for me. Would you, Mike, please, or your people in media? This is the rest of it for those of you that like to finish the notes. Lean heavily on the power of God's Word. Can I get an amen? Instead of reading your horoscope, H-O-R-R-O-R horoscope read the word of God instead of trying to find a newspaper or get on the internet find one other star or planet you were born under no read the word of God you're a child of God lean heavily on the word rest confidently in the power of the Holy Ghost I said the Holy Ghost will get you out of your hole out of your cave Pastor Jeff has been preaching a series of sermons on Wednesday night on the fruits of the spirit And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and self-control. None of the fruit of the Spirit is discouragement and anger and cussing and swearing and, and demons and devil. Get lost in the Spirit and then draw from your reserves. What reserves are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about that prayer you prayed three months ago in the Holy Ghost and you didn't understand what you were praying, but you kept praying it because the fire began to burn in your bosom. That's your reserves. You know what your reserves is? This Sunday morning, August 11, 2013, when you've come to hear the word of God, that's your reserve that you'll need tomorrow. Draw from your reserve. Oh, come on. Draw for Allah. I want everybody to raise your hands to the Lord and praise Him out of your heart that you got reserves, that angels encamp around you. Praise Him that... No depression or dem- demonic power is going to come on. Praise Him that He'll send an angel to touch you or He'll feed you by a brook. If you're full of the Holy Spirit and you have the language of prayer and praying in tongues, pray to yourself in tongues. Pray, come on, come on, and let's pray. God is the one who gives us these gifts. Oh God, open our eyes, open our eyes, open our eyes. Let faith arise, let faith arise today. I bless your name, Lord. I praise you. I love you, Lord. You may put your hands down just a moment. I, I feel an a impulse. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead with it. Stop the music. Thank you, Lord. Mm. 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 What you and I are experiencing right now, heads bowed, is the gift of tongues, which on occasions God will use in a worship setting like He's doing right now. But He says when there's tongues, there should be interpretation so you can understand, and here it is. Your heads bowed. This is the interpretation. Have I not said to you that, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the earth have I not said to you that this devil the thief the devil has come to steal and kill and destroy but have I not said to you that I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly yes the Lord says to you there are more for you than there are against you somebody say amen my spirit dwells in you my blood covers you, my angel surrounds you, do not walk with your head down, do not let the noise in your soul cause you to be depressed, sing my verses of scripture, quote my words says the Lord, be strong in worship and praise even when you don't feel like it and when you least expect it I will come in with the glow of my anointing, I will come in with the fire that warms your soul i will come in with the peace of god that passes all understanding trust me says god because you will not die in a cave or a hole of depression the joy of the lord is your strength everybody give him praise that's it that's it that's the holy ghost that's the holy ghost that's not me and that's not him that's the holy ghost Come prayer team. Look, I, I feel a conviction by your heads. But I, I will be missing God's will as the prayer team comes. If I do not confront the devil and tell him, the devil, he can't have you. If you are not saved, the devil's got you. If you're backslidden, the devil's got you. You're going to serve something and someone everybody bows down to something or someone nobody is so high and mighty and if you're not bowing down to jesus and letting his love fill you then satan is the only other option if you're bound by an addiction you need to confront it let god confront it if you're bound in sin lust pornography stealing gambling cheating illicit sex, pornography, I said already. If you're full of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, those are all the same sins. Your heads bowed and eyes closed. Say, Pastor, I want peace. And I'm willing to give it over to God. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I'm not going to ask you to leave where you're standing. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you need that kind of prayer. I need forgiveness. Thank you. Numbers of hands. Thank you. Thank you. You may put them down. Heads bowed and eyes closed. To another group I want to address. You're saved. You love God. You bring your offerings to His house. You serve. But occasionally you have valleys that are so deep, you feel like you're in a hole. Occasionally you have caves that are so deep, you feel like you're in a darkness, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And you you say, how long, Lord, how long? Maybe it's about your son or your daughter. Maybe it's about your health. Maybe it's about your finances. Maybe it's about your relationships. You say, Pastor, I want the angel of God to touch me like he touched Elijah. Elijah. Raise your hands if that's you. I want God to touch me. That's everybody. Everybody lift up both of your hands. Everybody tilt up your head to heaven. You can open your eyes and look to heaven. Don't look directly into a light so that you hurt your eyes. But say out loud, everybody with both hands, say out loud after me this prayer. Lord Jesus, empty me of everything that displeases you. You know my heart and you know my ways. You know, Lord Jesus, how I can hide and fool other people and sometimes myself, but I can't hide from you and I can't fool you and I give up because I want to fall in your love. I want you to catch me. Today I repent, wash away all my sins, those I know about and those I don't know about. Cleanse me today. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Make me a brand new creation. I'm coming out of my cave. I'm coming out of my hole. And never again will I return there because of your touch. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now clap your hands one more time. Come on. Come on. Act like you got it. Act like you got it. Act like you got it. Oh my, my, my. I don't care what you need prayer for. It's none of my business, and I'm not a priest that you have to confess to. You just have to talk to God. If you just pray that prayer, I want you to come down in a moment and just worship God. If you need healing, if you need joy, if you need peace, I want you to step out of your comfort zone, walk down an aisle, and come and stand before these. They'll come to you, and if they don't get to you, God's going to get to you. While, oh, my Lord, in Jesus' name, start singing, brother, and start coming. Everybody else, raise your hands and sing before you go. Don't leave unless you have to, okay? But sing Come on, do it. Keep coming. Come on. Come on. I don't care. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.